You're listening to Ditch the Diet Radio with myself, Rachel Foy, the Food Freedom Coach. This is a podcast for smart, driven, high-achieving women who are sick and tired of their food struggles holding them back from having a life that they really want. So if you're ready to stop the struggle with eating, fighting your body, and ultimately find your own food freedom, then you, my gorgeous, are so in the right place right now. If you love the conversations that we have here on Ditch the Diet Radio, then be sure to check out my website at rachelfoy.com for free workshops, gifts, and much, much more. So are you ready? Here's a brand new episode from Ditch the Diet Radio. Let's go! So hi guys, hi everybody and welcome to Ditch the Diet Radio with myself Rachel Foy. Um, I'm so excited to have you all here. Welcome to another awesome episode and also to our first episode of 2016. So I'm hoping that you've all had a fab Christmas, that you're all ready to get stuck back into this brand new year. Um, Now obviously we're January, the start of a brand new year as I've just said and you all know that this time of year is so focused traditionally on dieting, on losing weight, of losing your Christmas weight Um, and I know for myself you know I used to spend so much time in January just focused on weight loss and exercise plans and the inevitable always happened. You know, I'd start with really good intentions and I'd end up falling off that um, the diet wagon, so to speak, normally around the third week of January. And then I'd start binging for a week or so and then start dieting once again. You know, it's such a typical pattern that so many of us find ourselves falling into. And I'm pleased to say that now, you know, my my New Year's goals are always so really different, certainly compared to what they've been in the past. And I've got no plans at all to be losing weight or to be working out like a crazy mad woman. Um, I've also got no intentions of eating clean, of sticking to paleo for the next three months. Um, in fact, I actually just ate cake before for my lunch, <laughs> which was very, very delicious. <laughs> so, so my goals with this year, they're really just to continue working on getting my message out there, you know, kind of getting it out as loud and clear as I can that all women have got a right to feel confident, you know, regardless of their size and their shape and any body hangups that they've got. And, you know, I really do believe that we as women, we, we need to stand together. You know, we need to support one another to be the best and the most confident versions of ourselves that we can be. And judgment and criticism have absolutely got no place for that. So, Ditch the Diet Radio for this year, I'm bringing together some of the leading industry experts on women's empowerment, on body confidence, on emotional eating, now healing our relationship with food and interviewing them by yours truly, by myself. So let's, um, let's get on with today's guest, shall we? Let me introduce to you who I've got waiting to speak to us, and I'm so blimmin' excited. Okay, she's a certified health coach, she's an <coughs> emotional eating expert, and she helps women just stop feeling crazy around food. And I am beyond excited to, to be speaking to her very, very soon, because I'll tell you something, I've been a little bit giddy all day, knowing that we've got this uh, amazing woman on our radio show um, for us all this afternoon. And this is someone who I've been following for some time. I absolutely love her attitude. I love the way that she gets her message out there. I know that you're going to love her as well. And I'm delighted to have her on the show today. It's Isabel Foxen-Duke. 
Hello. Hi, thank you so much for having me. This is such a treat. You're absolutely welcome. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in California, so it's the morning here, and it's a lovely day, so, you know, you can't complain. No, Doing well. That's, that's good. Did you have a nice Christmas, first of all? I did. I yeah. did have a nice Christmas. Yeah, very low-key, you know, visited family, and, you know, all you know, just very uh, relaxing is the best that I could have possibly hoped for, and that's what I got. So, oh, that's thanks. good. Yeah. yeah, sometimes that's what you need, isn't it? A little bit of sort of relaxation, downtime at Christmas. Yes, 100%. 100%. Kind of recouping. Well, anyway, as I said, Isabel, I'm so delighted to have you here because I know that the kind of the message that you have, you know, it's kind of similar to what I have with a little bit of the Isabel twist. Um, So do you want to give us a little bit of a background as to who you are, perhaps what your story is for those listeners who aren't familiar with you right now? So um, I help women, as you said, I help women stop feeling crazy around food. Um, that was sort of my original, my very original tagline. It's still the tagline that I use for stop trading food because that's really sort of how I experienced this problem. You know, it was a complete, you know, kind of obsessive state of mind, always thinking about food, always thinking about dieting. My whole life revolved around trying to lose weight. Um, and you know, ultimately, of course, that on the flip side of that was a lot of binge eating, a lot of emotional eating. Um, and, and just like a generally speaking, a life that revolved around food, both on the, you know, dieting side and the trying to lose weight side all the time. And then on the flip side, you know, you know, the constant, just like thinking about whatever it was that I wasn't allowed to eat or, or, you know, managing my food, you know, when can I eat next? And, you know, just always, always thinking about either what I wasn't allowed to eat or what I wanted to go eat or when I was going to be able to eat in the future, you know? And that was my very, you know, it was a very small life. Um, for a very, very long time. And and interestingly enough, you know, I actually was pretty successful in other areas of my life. Like I was, you know, always got good grades in school and was <laughs> super successful in college yeah. and had a successful career life. And, um, you know, I, I uh, seem to have my, my everything together in, in most other areas of my life, but yet this particular area of my life seemed to be the, the the biggest focus. It was almost like I couldn't even enjoy other aspects of my life or, yeah. or I, I wasn't present for other aspects of my life because this was just always in the background. And I always was obsessed with thinking of like, okay, you know, when I'm thinner, everything will be better, right? Oh, so there, yeah, was always yeah. that, there was always that sort of um, additional layer of not full presence in my life as it existed right now. Um, or as it existed in that moment. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Exhausting, right? Exhausting. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I think another one of the reasons why I use the term, you know, uh, I help women stop feeling crazy around food is because it sort of alludes to this sort of, um, like gray area where, um, you know, women who are, um, you know, we think of dieting as being really innocuous, um, and sort of not that big of a deal and, 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 you know, doesn't, and, and I think so many people think that dieting is, is, it's just not, um, isn't problematic. It's just normal. Right. And, Mm -hmm. but the reality of the situation, it's a very, very slippery slope. Right. Yeah. I think the dieting for most women can really, it can spiral out of control into like really feeling obsessive and, and crazy and, um, and all of these very sort of negative kind of life 
stealing kinds of feelings very quickly. So, so yeah, so that was sort of what I, um, what I, I mean, that's what I've been doing with women for the past three or four years is really addressing that problem. My personal, for a bit, for most of my life, I thought binge eating and emotional eating was my problem. You know, like if I could just get the binge eating and emotional eating under control, everything would be fine. Yeah. I never really thought the dieting was the problem. I, you know, because I was just obsessed with wanting to be thinner. And so it was almost like I'm at the time I was completely willing to be obsessed as long as it meant that I could lose weight, right? Exactly. Um, the yeah. issue was that being what I learned later in life was that my obsession with food and my constant attempts at weight loss and my constant attempts at dieting were what actually were encouraging and spurring on my emotional eating and binge eating. And that's what I didn't understand for a really long time. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I never, I never really identified the dieting or the obsession necessarily as the problem because in my head it was just completely worth it if it meant that I could become thinner, but it never, the problem was that it never actually did make me thinner because I would always end up binging. I would always end up binging and I was always end up emotionally eating like my face off all the time. <laughs> you know, eating was my number one coping mechanism. You know, I used to say, it's not that just that I ate when I was sad, I would eat because the sky was blue. Uh, you know, yeah. like I would just eat over every little thing. It was like any kind of emotional trigger of any kind, whether it be negative or positive would send me the fridge, you know, because that was just, it, it was like a reflex. Food was a reflex. It was like the background noise to my brain. Yeah. Um, when did, and, can, can you yeah. remember when you started dieting, Isabella? How old were you? Young. I was, I was put on my first diet when I was like three or four years old. So before my, before my conscious memory, um, I was dieting. Wow. I was a, I, I was a baby as a baby. I was sort of like high on the baby BMI scale, according to my pediatrician. So my parents actually, you know, be, based on suggestions from my pediatrician, put me on a diet and were regulating my food before I even had conscious memories. So I, I never, um, actually had memories of being a quote unquote normal eater. I, I have no memories of a child of not being, of not, of not trying to control my food or having my food controlled for me or food not being an issue as yeah. as far back as I can remember, food was an issue and weight was an issue. Um, so yeah, which was interesting because when I, you know, kind of later on healed my relationship with food and, and started like learning all of these things and learning like, Oh, you know, the more you obsess about food, the more you're going to eat it. The more you <laughs> try to diet, the more you try to control your weight, the more likely you are to binge eat, right? When I started yeah. like putting those things together, you know, I had no frame of reference for what normal eating even was. You know, I think some women are remember, you know, a lot of, some of my clients have memories like, oh, well, when I was a kid, I, I didn't think about it and I could just eat normally and it was no big deal. Mm. I didn't even have that frame of reference. I didn't even have that memory. So I was completely learning what quote unquote normal eating even meant yeah. totally from scratch. Um, and I think, but yeah, I think, I think like you said, you know, you, you mentioned just then like dieting for so many women, it's not really perceived as being a big deal. It's like so socially accepted that we just yeah. diet, whether it be yeah. for like a holiday or a special occasion or it's a birthday or it's a wedding. But like mm -hmm. you said, for so many women that get into that cycle, the more you diet, the more obsessed you become and the more obsessed about food you become and the more you crave the food. And it's so, yeah. so counterintuitive to what most people realize, isn't it? Yeah. It's, um, it's like well, the fuel. most people think that dieting is protecting them. And this is the biggest, I would say overall, this is the biggest hurdle that I think people need to overcome. I think the reason why it's so difficult for women to give up dieting is because they really do believe that it is protecting them. They yeah. really, really do believe that if they weren't dieting, 
they would gain a hundred pounds because clearly, because in their minds, they are only successfully, you know, whatever weight they currently are, if they are thin women, which, you know, again, there's sort of a, a different spectrum, but for whatever reason, people think that their dieting is what's keeping them at the weight that they are, even if they're binging, which is, is just a falsehood entirely. Yeah. Like, I, generally speaking, people are not, you know, I always try to explain like people are not as in control of their weight as they think. Hence the, hence the whole reason that you're binging, right? Like is binge eating is proof of that is evidence of the idea that we're not actually all that in control of our size, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know? Um, but yeah, so I think that, um, you know, ultimately, um, you know, women really, really buy into this delusion that they are somehow successfully controlling their weight through dieting, even in, even within the context of the diet binge cycle. And that is, there's actually more and more evidence to suggest that that is not the case. And binge eating is certainly evidence of that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's, that's the number one, uh, you know, kind of objection to this work. I think that women have is if I don't diet, you know, all, you know, all hell will break loose Absolutely, yeah, um, yeah. because they buy into some delusion that they are successfully, you know, they are successfully controlling their weight through dieting in this moment, which is not true. And that is not true irrespective of size. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. um, this is true for, for women all across the weight spectrums. It's, you know, your, your weight is not a direct, um, result of your controlling yourself, quote unquote, most mm-hmm. people are not capable of controlling themselves in the way that they think that they are. Absolutely. I mean, control, control is a massive issue to do with this, isn't it? Which we probably will speak about at some point, but yeah. how, so you're in, so I'm just kind of recapping, you're in this vicious cycle that so many women are familiar with where you diet and then you binge and then you overeat mm-hmm. and then you diet again. What was mm-hmm. your trigger for breaking that cycle? Like what actually happened? How did you go? Do you know what? This isn't working. I'm going to try something else. I mean, it was a, it was a very long process. Yeah. Um, there wasn't really, um, well, so first off, I mean, the ultimate, like I had one sort of crash and burn moment. Um, the last diet I ever went on was the cocaine diet. Okay. <laughs> Where I was just basically, I mean, I was so desperate to lose weight that I just started, I was doing drugs. I was, yeah. um, you know, taking stimulant medications, prescription medications, you know, diet pills. I mean, I had really fallen off the deep end into some seriously dangerous, seriously, um, you know, sort of disordered behaviors. Um, and I ended up in rehab. And yeah. so that was a pretty big bit, smack in the face. Bit of a wake-up um, call. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so then, so, and from that point forward, that was sort of, you know, I say like going to rehab didn't fix me in quotes necessarily. Going to rehab was just like phase one. Mm. Like going to rehab was just like the beginning. It was like, okay, like now I sort of, I see that there's, there's something I have to deal with this, you know, and there, there's something going on. But the reality of the situation is it took me years, it took me years to figure out everything that I, I know now, because there's so much, um, there's just so much stigma to overcome. There's so much, there's so many things to learn. I mean, it's, it's really a complex question whether or not it was an issue of, you know, I think that there are a lot of, you know, uh, there's a lot of misinformation and in, in treatment of these issues, you know, like yeah. binge eating itself wasn't, you know, is, is, is a complicated issue. People really misunderstand it. You know, some professionals don't even really understand that it's related to dieting. You know, it just, it sort of depends. Um, yeah. there's a lot of, this is a very highly misunderstood topic amongst, you know, treatment professionals, whether they be, 
you know, clinical therapists or life coaches or whatever it is. Right. Mm. I mean, this is just a, this is just an area of, you know, the wellness industry. And so to, so to speak that it has a lot of conflicting information, a lot of misinformation. Um, you know, I was an overeaters anonymous for a really, really long time because somebody said, Oh, that's the answer. You know, now in retrospect, I'm like, Oh my gosh, OA was, was a really dangerous place for me to be. I mean, they basically were, you know, they put me on a meal plan, you know, which was very simple, you know, which was, which was not helpful to me in the end at all, you know? And so, you know, there's just so many different people trying to solve this problem in different ways. And the issue is that a lot of the people who are trying to solve it are trying to solve it through the lens of diet mentality or through the lens of diet culture, because we are so, you know, inculcated, we're so culturally sort of brainwashed to, to buy into this. I'm going to use the word control again, but to buy into this sort of idea that it really is about you know, willpower that it is about getting control of yourself rather than what, you know, I now believe to be the case, which is like working with your biological instincts and really understanding that food is a biological instinct. It is not meant to be controlled through your intellect or your will. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that that, you know, it was, it, it took, it was a very, very long time for me. It took several years for me to piece together the Mm. information that I know now about, you know, quote unquote, solving or dealing with this problem because I was getting a lot of conflicting messages from different wellness professionals across the boards. Yeah, no, I'm glad, um, I'm glad that you said that, actually, because I know, you know quite often from some of the clients that I coach, I think their expectation is, oh, it's just going to take six months and suddenly everything will be quote unquote normal. Whereas, like you said, you know, for most of us, this is a process, isn't it? It's about you kind of figuring stuff out and piecing all the puzzles back together and actually figuring out where you need to focus and what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And, you know, if if you've been dieting for a lifetime, it's going to take a while for it to start changing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I feel like again, there's a part of me that thinks maybe I could, I mean, it's, it's a really hard question to know. There's a part of me that thinks that my time in healing myself could have been a lot quicker Mm. had somebody just given me accurate information. I don't necessarily think it was just about me taking my sweet time being ready in quotes. I do think that that was part of it, right? Like I do think that there was part of it that's about like, was about my readiness and my willingness to really open up to more radical concepts. You know, most binge eaters, most emotional eaters, most dieters, right? They don't want to talk about body image. They just want to be thin. Uh, And it's very, it's very hard to, it's very, I think that's one the, one of the biggest challenges is get just getting people open to having conversations about body image because it's, it's so, they were so, so attached to this idea of like, I don't even want to think about body image. I don't want to work on my body image. I just want to get thin so that I, so that that will solve my body image problem. And then I'll, then I'll like my body. Once I'm thin, I'll like my body. I don't want to worry about body image beforehand. The problem with that, of course, is that by not working on body image, you are essentially keeping yourself in diet mentality or diet thinking, mm. which of course then ends up just like keeping you in the sort of like binge eating, emotional eating cycle and obsession with food. So it's sort of this like catch 22. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know, that's just a specific and kind of going on a tangent there, but that's just a specific example of like, there are, there are parts of this that have to do with willingness and readiness yeah. on the individual's point, uh, you know, for the individual. And I think there are certain things that take time 
I personally think body image work is the work that takes time. I yeah, think that that's the work. I think that's the work that is the hardest. Yeah. I don't think that food, I think with the right coaching and education, you can actually deal with somebody's food. Like you can deal with someone's food a lot more quickly than you can deal with their body image. The issue is that the, the, someone healing someone's food issues is it's hard to do, to get there a hundred percent when they are still struggling with body image. So it sort of becomes this like weird, you know, commingling thing where you're, you know, yeah, the, the two the two things aren't really separate, are they? They're not sort of living in a yeah. vacuum. It's like you can't really yeah. break diet mentality without working on body image. Right. Because like you said, it's not just one thing or the other. They both have to be done at the same time or certainly right. Not, right. Far, not far apart. Right. right. Yeah. That being said, I just want to be clear, you know, so, you know, what took me six or seven years to piece together you know, I, I don't, you know, my clients usually have a lot of faster results than that. It yeah. was more just that I didn't have, you know, for me personally, I didn't have solid direction mm-hmm. and I didn't have, you know, I had like a lot of conflicting messages being sent my way. You know, I, I wasn't even really seriously taught about the importance of body image in this conversation yeah. really until way later in the game. I'm sure people, when I was in rehab, talked about it with me. I'm sure they did. Um, because you know, that's an obvious thing that people talk about in, in, in like food rehab basically. Um, but I know that they, I, I, for me at the time, it was not explained why that was keeping me from binge eating. I think also with binge eaters and emotional eaters, people don't realize why body image is so important. I think, um, body image is something, um, in a rehabilitative setting or, you know, in a clinical setting, it's like people talk about body image a lot more with, um, and this is a generalization. This is obviously not, this does not go across the boards for all cases. But um, I think with binge eaters and emotional eaters, there is this sort of, um, there's this, there's this implication like, well, when you do deal with your implication and you're binge eating, you will be thinner. So you don't really have to deal with body yeah. image the way somebody yeah. who's, you know, compulsively restricting does in quotes. And obviously compulsive restriction goes hand in hand with binge eating like 95% of the time, but putting that aside, um, you know, I think that there is this sense that, you know, people, people really underestimate the importance of body image work when they're dealing with binge eating and emotional eating, because they just are convinced that they just need to deal with that. And then they'll be thinner and that, you know, any body image issues they're dealing with right now, you you know, are sort of temporary because of their temporary size that they won't be forever because one day they'll get over this problem and they'll be thinner. Absolutely. And that is, and that is like the opposite. That is like the most self self sabotaging thought a person can have, in my in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true actually, and I can kind of relate to that as you're as you're talking. You know, there's a few people that are popping into my head who I might have worked with fairly recently actually, and they've got into a place where, like you said, their relationship with food has shifted so much. Like they're not really too obsessed anymore. They're you know they're allowing yep. themselves to eat what they want. They're not counting calories, but. They still mm-hmm. can't look in the mirror. They're still hoping that they're going to drop yeah. two dress sizes. They're still wanting to have a flat stomach. And yeah. like you said, it's just, yeah, they end up often yeah. slipping backwards because of that lack of interest in working on their body image. Yeah, um, exactly. That's like the key thing. That's like the key. The In my opinion, it's like you can, if you, if somebody chooses to stop dieting, they will probably start with those like crazy, crazy binges. Yes. Um, Again, I think that there, this is a delicate, I say this with some hesitancy because dieting is a state of mind, in my opinion, it's not a physical action. And I think that when we feel guilt and shame and, you know, feel like we're doing something wrong with food that can often spur on binges, even in the absence of traditional diets. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, body image, you know, it's very hard to not feel guilt and shame around food at some point when you can't look at yourself in the mirror. Totally. Um, So it's sort of like your body, you know, healing body image really is direct, directly impacts binge eating. And that's what people I think miss is that they don't, it's hard for women to see, they think that, you know, working on their body image is sort of like a waste of time or like not that important, or it's like a woo woo concept, (laughs) you know, like, oh yeah, love yourself, whatever. But the reality of the situation is like, if you can't look at yourself in the mirror, you inevitably are going to put pressure on yourself to eat a certain way. You are inevitably going to be judging and shaming yourself when your food looks different than you think it should look. Mm -hmm. And that is the moment when binges happen. That is when binges happen in that moment when you're thinking to yourself, Oh my God, I screwed up. Fuck it. Might as well, you know, yeah, finish, (laughs) finish, finish what's in the fridge and start again tomorrow. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So you've, you've kind of already mentioned a little bit about this, this generalized resistance to body image, but why do you think body image particularly is so difficult for women to start working on? Like, do you, do you, do you think it's just because, well, like you said, a lot of people's perception, and this was mine, I have to be honest, Mm -hmm. when I kind of first discovered about body image work, my first reaction was exactly what you said. I was like, yeah, that's really kind of woo woo and a bit out there. And I'm really not wanting to stand in a mirror and go, oh my God, I love my body. And I feel (laughs) so amazing today when actually inside I felt really shit. So Mm -hmm. do you think it's people's perceptions of it? Or do you just think it's just something that usually is not really brought up into this conversation? It's not really something that people are aware of that they do need to be working on. Well, I think that people aren't aware that they need to be working on it because people just want to be, they just think that like, well, if I just do the right thing, I'll be thin and then I won't have to worry about it. That's not really true. I mean, body diversity is a real thing. I mean, ultimately, like when you can, you know, completely deal with your binge eating. I mean, you could have, I mean, you could be heal, healing your relationship with food, like quite successfully and, and still not be the body shape and size that society dictates because the body shape and size that society dictates is just actually not realistic for the vast majority of people. Um, you know, or I mean, again, it depends on how you want to define that, but um, ultimately this is a social and cultural problem. You know, this is, this is, this is a, this is a, you know, weight discrimination, right. And weight stigma is like a huge, massive issue, particularly for women, but increasingly for men. Right. And I, I know that what I'm saying might sound like, oh yeah, duh, this is obvious, but I think we don't really spend enough, spend enough time really thinking about what that means and, and, and what the implications of this massive cultural problem are. Because ultimately at the end of the day, I think what women forget is like this cultural problem is the reason why you are standing in front of your fridge, inhaling, you know, Nutella out of the jar with a spoon, hoping no one catches you. You Yeah. I've done that too. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Those two problems are, are completely interrelated, right? If you, there was no, if the social cultural like pressure to be thin, which I'm saying that lightly, I actually really think it's like size bigotry. You know what Mm. I mean? Like, I I really think that this is like an issue of, I think this is beyond pressure to be thin. I think that this is straight up, like there's straight up discrimination happening on the size of, uh, on the, on the basis of size and weight. Absolutely. Um, is, this is really like a major, this is a serious issue of oppression, particularly of women, but increasingly of men as time goes on. And, and that issue, right, this greater cultural, like, you know, fat phobia, so to speak, right, 
is directly creating the situation where you are standing up in front of your fridge, inhaling the contents, hoping no one catches you. Nice. Right? Like, yeah. Absolutely. People, people think that they're separate issues, but it's like one would not exist without the other. Like yeah. the vast majority of quote unquote binge eating, the way we think about it would not exist if this pressure to be thin or this sort of cultural fat phobia didn't exist as well. Um, and so like, you know, we, it's, it's, you, I, I mean, a lot of what I work on with my clients is sort of dealing with the social implications of body image because dealing with body image work is not, I mean, in my opinion, you know, telling somebody to say affirmations in the mirror, like, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself yeah. is not, is not going to cut it no, because, yeah. because this is not just an individual interpersonal issue, right? Women aren't just born hating their bodies in a vacuum, this is a social issue. This yeah, we're is taught like a, it, aren't we? We're kind of brought up with all these messages, you know, being surrounded by it. Well, and so. the number one thing that humans want more than anything is to be loved and accepted. And we live in a world where people are regularly discriminated against on the basis of weight. You know what I mean? So, you know, ultimately, like, it makes complete sense that, like, by the, you know, by we, that women all over the place are, like, running around terrified of, weight, right? Yes. Terrified of fat, so to speak. Um, and this is, I mean, obviously this is a screwed up situation, but I think like on the one hand, like dealing with body image really means having serious conversations about managing living in a weight discriminating world yeah. without getting sucked into it and without getting caught up in it. And, and dealing with things like, okay, how do I actually realistically deal with the fact that like, I am afraid that my husband won't be attracted to me if I put on weight? How do I actually realistically deal with the fact that I am afraid that my mother is going to like judge me harshly, you know, if I, if I, if I don't stay a certain size, Mm -hmm. you know, these are, these are, we have to be having real conversations about the social implications of body image, right? Like telling yourself that you love you, you know, telling myself, I love myself in the mirror. You know, I think affirmations are certainly a place for affirmations. There's a place for mirror work. There's a place for all of that. But if we're not having real conversations about, you know, sort of the, how to manage living in a fat phobic world, um, it's very, very hard to change our body image without doing that. No, definitely. And I know that you, uh, you're quite passionate about this topic, aren't you, Isabel? I can tell. Yes. Like yes, the, yes. The, the, social, the sociological aspects of body image. I know that you do quite a lot of that in your work because I've seen it on your blog and some of the interviews that you've done. Um, yes. So how, how does somebody, so let's say that someone's listening to this now is going, oh my God, yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. And kind of the body image thing I've, I've neglected. I've never really thought about it before. What's your, what's your kind of suggestion? Like, where does somebody start with body image? I mean, it's such a big topic. And I know that's a very big question. Yeah, it is. What's, what's, <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's kind of the, the first thing that someone could start to even attempt to do? I mean, can you do this on your own? Do you need help? Do you need to go and see somebody? I mean, body image is a big part of the puzzle, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, get as much help as you can from wherever you can, depending on the resources available to you. Um, but I think that, you know, there's a lot of resources online to start. Um, there's a lot of people talking, you know, having this conversation, you know, this is what we call the body positive movement. So thankfully we are in a 
we are entering into a phase of history where people are really starting to talk about this in a serious way, where we're moving out of thinking about body images like an airy fairy, you know, kind of like woo woo topic. And we're really starting to talk about the serious like social and cultural implications in a much more, um, intensive way. We're really starting to look at it from a, from a, um, uh, a different angle and really talking about like, okay, how can we, how can we start to have different conversations about this? How can we support women who are struggling with managing these kinds of real life situations, right? Like fat shaming and body shaming and all sorts of stuff. And so, um, you know, I I would say, you know, just start by getting into the conversation that's happening, right? Start by you know, learning about body positivity, you know, literally if you do like hashtag body positive on Instagram, so many interesting different things are going to come up. Some of them are going to be great. Some of them are going to be less great, but it's a conversation that's happening. Right. I mean, and, and this is, you know, I, I never, you know, it's very rare that I like directly endorse, you know, specific, um, yeah, like specific like Instagram accounts or something like that, because I think a lot of them, you know, there's always, it's a conversation, right? Of it's not it a perfect, yeah. it's right. Yeah. It's not a perfection, right? Yeah. So there's people who sometimes say things that I agree with. And sometimes they say things that I don't agree with. And, you know, this is a whole, this is a whole intellectual debate that's going on. Yeah. But ultimately I think that one of the, if you really want to work on body image, when people who really want to work on body image, what they, I, I really, the first thing that I recommend is like, start reading as much as you can about body positivity on the internet. Get into the conversation. Dive into the conversation. It's a huge conversation. It's a big conversation. Dive in. Yeah. Um, So that's, yeah. Like you said, there's plenty of information out there, isn't there? I was um, was actually on Instagram today doing exactly that, kind of the whole um, body positive movement. And just, you know, I think think with social media as well, I mean, I don't know what, what you think of this, but I always recommend to my clients that they go on a bit of a detox, like they get rid of all this stuff on their Facebook feed and They go through their Instagram account and they go through Twitter and anything that really triggers them when it comes to body image, they Mm -hmm. just throw them out the window because that's just reinforcing that fear that you've mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I always, you know, get rid of all of the diet stuff from your social media feeds and replace it with body positive social media um, or body positive literature. There's so many great body positive blogs, great body positive Instagram accounts, um, body positive, I mean, everything, right? So many body positive activists. So, you know, my favorite people to follow are the body positive activists because I think they tend to be having more high level conversations about this stuff. Yes. But, but there are also, you know, I mean, there's a whole movement of plus size models that are really doing interesting work. Um, you know, because they are demonstrate, they have a very specific function. Plus size models have a really specific function in this conversation because what they're doing is they're showing up and they're being like, look at me dressing really chic and like looking really beautiful and glamorous in a non-traditional body shape. Yes. Um, and that is really, there, I, there has been some studies that, you know, one of the most effective ways to change a woman's body image is to actually just show them visual images mm-hmm. of non-traditional body shapes or literally just expose them to visual images of, of body shapes and sizes that are their size or bigger. Yeah. Um, because one of the reasons why we're so one of the reasons, particularly when it comes to beauty, in quotes, um, it, that we think that we think only thin can be beautiful, which is obviously such a big deal for women because so many women want to be perceived as beautiful because mm. of thousands and thousands of years of historical <laughs> gender related yeah, 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 exactly. stuff, right? Um, 
So, you know, one of the reasons that we really so we basically only associate beauty with thinness is because we only see beauty being depicted by thin women in the media. Yeah. So one of the things that's really interesting about plus size models, and I hesitate to say this because I think sometimes plus size models will often say things or in their commentary, you know, you know, again, they don't, I don't always agree with everything that's being said, but at its core, one of the things that I love about plus size models is they're literally just demonstrating visually, they are demonstrating visually like an example of what we would consider to be like style or, or trend trendiness or whatever, you know, beauty and glamor, however, it's being sort of, you know, taught to us in the moment, but in a non-traditional body size, Mm. which is really interesting because it kind of like almost goes to, it's sort of like this, you know, I think so many women think, you know, well, I can't be like cute and sexy unless I'm a certain size. And it's like all these plus size models are literally demonstrating cute and sexy yeah. in a way that we comp- that is completely in alignment with the sort of social ideal of what that is yeah. or the cultural ideal of what that is. They're just doing it in a different body size than the, you know, size two, size four. Well, so yeah. it's really, it's really interesting. Um, yeah, comp- complex, not perfect, but certainly interesting. I know that for me personally, just visually exposing myself to, um, you know, kind of aspirational figures, if you will, with non-traditional body sizes um, has been really, really helpful in just like me, like finding my own body kind of no no that's that's a really good tip actually because I'm I'm assuming you know for most well for most women to be fair you know you and I probably included if you actually Mm -hmm. were to look in a traditional magazine or you know go to the movies or you're like watching an advert or seeing a billboard it's really Mm -hmm. hard to find our body shapes yeah in terms of how media is perceiving how we should be looking so I think like you said to consciously go out there and start surrounding yourselves by these images and these inspirational people and the body positive movement it can only have a positive effect on our perceptions of our own bodies can't it in the long run yeah a hundred percent it's a really big deal um that being yeah so I I love plus size models for that that being said again you know they're they are you know it's 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 imperfect right like Plus size models often come in only specific kinds of shapes. There's still a lot of like, yeah, well, and also like hourglass figure. Yes. Um, And there's, um, I mean, I will say plus size models come in all sizes, meaning like a plus plus size models could be anywhere from like size eight. Basically anything that isn't a straight size model is considered plus size in quotes. So the word plus size is a little bit of a misnomer because it is actually representative of generally a wide range of shapes, although usually actually only goes up to a certain size. There aren't a lot of, um, you know, you don't see plus size models over this oversized 16, 18 very often. Yeah. Um, although Tess Holiday is changing that. She's a very famous plus oh, size I model who's her. size think, 22. Yeah. yeah. I she's her. like totally making waves because mm-hmm. she is, you know, I think she's the biggest plus size model to ever get an actual like modeling contract yeah. with an agency. Yeah. Um, but anyway, side note, um, you know, in addition to plus size models, I also think it's really important for us to just be educating ourselves on the issues, like mm-hmm. on like the actual like intellectual issues involved um, and really like getting into sort of a debate about, for lack of a better word, the politics around this conversation. And, yeah. and you know, that is um, that is something that really the people who are doing that are activists yeah. and body positive activists and, and body, you know, um, the sort of quote unquote fat positive activists. Yeah. And, um, 
they are the people who probably, you know, I learn certainly the most from about body image and really like make me challenge and question my thinking, you know, like, oh, like, wow, like, why do I make assumptions about someone's health status based on their size? Like, I don't actually know what their natural body size is. So I can't really make an assumption about, you know, what their health status is based on like where they are from this particular baseline weight that, you know, the, you know, that the medical community has decided is the weight that everyone should be, you know, and sort of like, you know, challenging ideas, you know, we, I talk about health at every size quite a bit and really challenging the ideas, you know, people talk about BMI being kind of a bullshit concept all the time and (laughs) people challenge BMI quite a bit. And I certainly do as well. Um, but I think that the, the implications of that are really huge when you think about just, you know, the, uh, level of discrimination that's happening around health when we look at different people's body sizes and how we make assumptions about people's health based on how far they veer off from this quote unquote correct BMI. Um, when the reality of the situation is we have no idea what BMI their body should be necessarily because not everyone should be the same. Not everyone is supposed to be BMI 20 to 25. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, like you know, very, very rightly said. You know, the whole BMI thing, and I totally agree with you on that. It is. I also agree. It's a load of bullshit because it's not. Yeah. It's not at all a way of measuring anything. It doesn't reflect health. It doesn't reflect wellness. It doesn't reflect contentment or happiness. It's just. It's just a number. Um, yeah. But you know, kind of just going back to what you said then, like the sociological impacts of of body image, they're actually massive, aren't they? You know, this isn't just something mm. that you can just shift in in such a short time because it's, it's the big picture. It's, they are um, massive. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's a huge, huge, huge big deal. Um, so yeah. So I mean, and so, yeah, I think body positive activists are really interesting because they're sort of like bringing, they're the ones really bringing up these sort of more intellectual, like sort of thought provoking issues, you know, yeah. like really, ch- they're the ones writing articles being like, Hey, you know, did you stop and consider the fact, like, why do we, you know, why do we even, you know, where are these ideas that we just take as fact, right? Like thin is beautiful, thin is healthy, thin is this, thin is that, right? Fat is bad, fat is ugly, yeah, fat is unhealthy, yeah. you know, all these these assumptions, they're the ones who's really who are really challenging those thought processes. Yeah. Um, and they kind of make you sort of like stare your own, for lack of a better word, fat phobia in the face, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think most women who deal, who are dealing with food issues. Yes. Most women who are dieting, they are just really at the end of the day, you could just, they're really dealing with internalized weight discrimination, meaning like their weight, weight discrimination towards themselves. Yeah. They're (laughs) Yeah. They're fearful of putting weight on. Exactly. Right. It's right. And I mean, obviously they're often also it's weight discriminating towards other people, but Mm -hmm. weight discriminating towards other people and weight discriminating towards yourself go hand in hand. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, yeah, so it's, it's, they're just interesting people to watch. So, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, really learning, you know, step one, I think of changing your body image is like, learn as much as you can about this issue, right? Don't just think, oh, well, I just can't change my body image. You know, every time I look in the mirror, I just hate myself. So it's just never going to happen. It's like, okay, well, get involved, like do something, like go read some articles, like go dive into this conversation. It won't happen overnight. That's for sure. But like, there's only one way to start and that is to like actually get involved in body positivity, actually get involved in conversations with people about body image. You know, this is, this is a cultural issue. And so it's going to be fixed by positive culture. Mm, Exactly. And I'm, and I'm guessing as well that when someone actually gets 
involved in the whole body image and they're trying to improve their own body image. I mean, what do you think that someone can kind of accept their bodies without actually loving their bodies? Or do you mm-hmm. think that you can not really mm-hmm. do? Yeah, you do. That's what I think. Yeah, too. Yeah. So I was just wondering what yeah. you thought. Yeah. Yeah. I always say body acceptance is just body acceptance. It means like I accept, I fundamentally accept that this is what my body looks like yes. and that my likelihood of changing it long term is is not is is not really up to my willpower, yes. right? And that's yeah. I think that's where like dieters, diet binge cyclers, you know, eventually, ideally, hopefully, I feel like the turning point for a lot of diet binge cyclers is getting to that point where they're like, I understand fundamentally that diets don't work. I accept that. Given that information, I need to therefore accept that I am not in control of making my body fit into a specific mold. I accept that. I accept it the way I accept that it's raining outside. I accept it the way I accept that the sky is blue, right? It doesn't matter whether or not you like it at that point. That's not what acceptance is about. Acceptance is about just understanding the reality of the situation and sort of dealing with it on its own terms. Mm -hmm. Love, body love is a wonderful goal, And that, I think, is something that builds and develops only after we first come to acceptance. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, again, something that I can sort of put, you know, some of the people that I've worked with and they've they've really struggled because I think in in their head, they've been like, right, so basically what I need to do is maybe wake up tomorrow and be totally in love with the body that I have and just, you know, be able to dress it in a certain way and just, you know, unconditionally love the person that I am but like you said it's a process and it has to start first of all with acceptance before you can ever even get to that point which is somewhere off into the future yeah that's a blog post I've been meaning to write forever maybe I'll do that (laughs) one next week is the difference is 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 the a the difference between body love and body acceptance and b for me the big the big reason to understand but you know the difference between those two things is understanding body acceptance usually is what comes first. Body acceptance is like phase one. Like phase one is like, I accept that diets don't work and this is the body that I have today. Yes. Like period. Do you know what I mean? Like I accept it the way I accept that the sky is blue. It just is. Yeah. Right. And then number two is, okay, given the cards that I was dealt, right. Given the body that I have, can I over time develop a relationship, a positive relationship with it rather than a negative or a resentful relationship with it? Mm. And like you said, that's very much where the inner work really starts to have to yeah, yeah. notch up a little bit. Yeah. In my experience, though, most people do not achieve body love or don't – most people don't – I will say not achieve. I'll say most people don't earnestly work towards body love yeah. until they get to the point of acceptance first, right? Most people – and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Most people don't work on body image until they realize that dieting is totally fruitless and that like trying to forcibly manipulate your weight is probably a waste of time, you know? So absolutely. Like, I can agree know? with that one. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So, I mean, I think that, you know, it's like almost like, it's almost, I mean, it's, it's always wonderful to have conversations about body love, but at the same time, I, I really do think a lot, a lot of the conversations that people have about body love fall on deaf ears, to people who still think 
okay, if I just do this, I'll lose weight. If I just stop emotionally eating, I'll lose weight. If I just do X, Y, and Z thing, I'll lose weight, right? Like if you buy into this idea that like there's something you can do to forcibly control your weight, it's very unlikely that you're going to earnestly do the body image work that you need to do to really feel comfortable in your skin. Absolutely. And I think body love as well, I can assume for a lot of people, it just seems so far out of their even concept of ever being able to get to that stage that it's just not even worth going there. Yeah. Body acceptance is more accepting really (laughs) yeah uh, and it's just more it's 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 really important like if you don't have the acceptance part down I find that it's very difficult for body body love conversations it's like it's it's, again often fall on deaf ears if the acceptance part isn't there first usually usually it's not always the case but in my experience with most clients my clients who are most receptive to really working towards body love, so to speak, are the clients who have already achieved body acceptance, meaning they really are at a point where they understand that dieting is fruitless for them Mm. and is not going to, and is not going to create the results that they want in the long term. And they're like, okay, like if dieting is no longer an option, like what do I do here? Okay. Got to get cool with the body that I have now. Yeah, absolutely. And I made from, um, well, for my, my own kind of personal stuff right now, I've got um, two little kids. And my little girl, she's only two and a half. Mm-hmm. And I think being kind of a mum to a daughter, I'm already really conscious of the whole body image topic, you know, in terms of yeah. how I talk to her when she's getting undressed and having a bath. And I know, you know, a lot of mums mm-hmm. probably think the same. Because um, mm-hmm. I know from the, the stuff that I've done with body image, you know, you've mentioned it is very socially embedded in terms of what we do but then mm-hmm. also a lot of it comes from what we're exposed to as well isn't it so like our yeah 100%. family's relationships or if our mums grew up and we you know grew up with them dieting or comments right. about body yeah um, well you can't shield your child from all of culture but no. your family is a huge part of your culture right so you're, you know, in my opinion, it's sort of like, you know, as a mom, can we at least get that part right? You know, like you, you can't protect your kids from like weight discrimination in school or elsewhere, but know that you have a big role to play, right? If you're thinking about like culture in quotes or like the influences on children's body image as a, as a pie, right. As like a pie chart, family and particularly mother, but really all family is a huge, big chunk of that pie. Yeah. So you can't, you can't protect them from the other parts of the pie, but at least get your part right, you know? Yeah, like. no, definitely. You know, it's uh, like you said, the, the, the suggestions that people can sometimes make about body image, and mm-hmm. you've probably heard it as well, you just kind of comments that people pass on others or they, they make a fairly innocent remark about somebody else, but actually that's not that innocent because it can be taken in a really hurtful way. Um, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's definitely something that, you know, I'm, I am very cautious of and I'm, I'm sure like you've just said, it's something that as a mum, especially to a daughter, I think mm-hmm. the, whole, the whole body image thing has definitely got to be um, kind of started early on just to give yeah. her the grounds for that. You know, when she does yeah. go out there in the big wide world, she's yeah. kind of equipped to, to deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, you're just sort of prote- you're protecting her from what you can. You can't protect her from everything, but you're protecting her from what you can, you know. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still I'm, I'm living in hope that this body positive movement will be so big by then that by hmm. the time she is a teenager in the next sort of ten, twelve years, that maybe things might slowly have started to shift. Let's see. 
I hope so. Yeah, no, totally. Or, or, uh, you know, at the very least, I think that people will more quickly escape the diet binge cycle because the thing is, is that the reality of the situation, I think people, um, they stay in the diet binge cycle for so long because they don't realize that there's an alternative Yeah, and they don't, and they don't know what an alternative would look like. They don't know what an alternative would be. They feel like we feel like we don't have a choice, but to just continue to drive ourselves crazy. Right. And just, and so I, what I'm hoping is that the, you know, body positive movement and sort of the work that people like you and I are doing it just helps people realize like you do have another option here. You don't need to just continuously engage in this restrict binge cycle for the rest of your life. Like there is a way out. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if, if for some reason, you know, I always think like, you know, my daughter, like who knows what she'll, I don't have a daughter, but like imaginary, like one day yeah. if I had a daughter, yeah. I always think like, well, you know what, if she decides that she really, if all of her friends are dieting and she wants to try it out, despite what I say, kind of like the mother who's like, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke. But the kid is like, I'm going to smoke, mom. I just want to try it, you know, whatever. I I always think like, at least she'll know that if it's not working for her and if she's, and if she becomes miserable doing it, at least she'll know where to go and what to do if she wants to escape it. That's a really refreshing way to think about that, actually. So not kind of, yeah, sort of, stop her or ban her or tell her that it's wrong or she shouldn't do it but actually just yeah, leave it to her own devices and yeah yeah because she's gonna option. do what she wants to do you know what I mean I can provide the example that I think is like best for her right like I can be a model example for what I think is like gonna be happiest and healthiest for her but I certainly know that like telling her not to diet is not going to keep her from doing it and right. I want her to know that like if she does decide to go that route because all her friends are doing it and maybe she thinks that it'll work for her this time or whatever, right? If she decides to go that route, I want her to know that if it's, if it, if it, and at some point it turns against her, right? Which is likely. Yes. She can come back. Yeah. And she knows where to go because that is really the issue. I think a lot of women get to the point where they realize that they are in deep and they just don't know how to get out. Yeah. And then there's, know, there's all that fear there, isn't there? Like you mentioned, it's the fear of, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to get fat. And if I don't control my eating, I'm going to lose my con- complete control. Um, so they kind of stay with yeah. what they're familiar with. Which is always so, in my mind, so funny when people yeah. say that. Because I'm like, really? I'm like, you think that you're giving up control? How much control do you really have right now? Yeah. You're coming to me because you're struggling with emotional eating and binge eating. You're coming to me as a professional because by definition, you currently already don't have control. So like, what's really to lose? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Like this whole idea, it's so funny. Like I'm always like, wait, you openly admit that you don't have control right now and that's why you're seeking professional help. But then you don't want to do what I tell you because you are afraid that you're going to fly off the handle. Right. So it's like, it's this, like, it's this catch 22 because it's essentially what I'm, what we tell people, right. Is the opposite of what diet culture tells them. It's going to protect them or keep them safe. But at the end of the day, when you really think about it, you have to admit that clearly dieting is not protecting anyone too much from being out of control. Otherwise, we wouldn't have jobs. You know, so, <laughs> you like, and I wouldn't be talking. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's like it's really just about like separating yourself from like it's very hard. This is easier said than done. But it's like yeah. separating yourself from what the diet industry tells you is real and actually looking at your personal experience yeah. and being like, wait, 
in my personal experience, is dieting kept me safe? Has dieting kept me from falling off the hand, you know, flying off the, the handle and, and, you know, binge eating out of control and brownies out of my fridge in the middle of the night? Like, has dieting kept me safe from that? Really? Yeah. I don't think so. Clearly yeah. not. No, absolutely. It's a funny one, isn't it? When you kind of word it like that and you reframe it, it's like, oh yeah, actually you're, you're right. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. There is, there's a big control issue here, but it's not where yeah. I thought it was. <laughs> it's totally a delusion that dieting is keeping you safe from being a certain weight. Like dieting is not keeping you from being any certain weight because dieting is just like ending you up like in the fridge, like rummaging through your cabinets, like looking for, you know, yeah. crackers and cookies to chew on. You know, like yeah. that's all that dieting is. Dieting's not keeping you safe. When you really look at your actual real life experience, dieting is not keeping you safe from from loss of control, so to speak. Yeah. You know, that's the whole that's the whole reason you're listening to this podcast. You know? So <laughs> just that of interest Isabel when you talk about dieting in general are you just referring yeah. to any kind of like rules and regulations around food like any kind yes. of emotional connect like emotional attachment to yeah, food yeah I have a pretty wide definition of dieting I mean there's a few different definitions of dieting that I use I mean I think a lot of people in the body positive community would say that dieting is a forcible attempt at weight control yeah. period yeah um, you know, which usually involves behavioral modification, you know, with, generally through behavioral modification. So rules, regulations, yeah. trying to force yourself to do things, eat certain foods, eat certain, not certain foods, yeah. work out this amount of time, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I personally cast an even broader weight. I even cast a broader definition than that. I would say like dieting is a state of mind. So in addition to like forcible or physical attempts at dieting or physical attempts at body manipulation through force. Um, and I want to be clear, some people's weights will, people's weights may change over the course of their life, right? Some people give up dieting and do lose weight. Yeah. I'm making a distinction between, forcible attempts at weight loss or forcible attempts at body manipulation versus just, you know, developing a normal relationship with food and seeing where your body naturally ends up, seeing okay. where your body wants to be. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah, totally. Because um, I think, excuse me, I think that that's a relevant point. Um, but yeah, so forcible, I would say most people define dieting as a forcible attempt at weight, at weight control or weight body manipulation. I would cast an even broader net than that and say, in addition to physical attempts at body manipulation and, and control, you know, you could say dieting basically uh, can also be like an emotional state, right? So diet mm. mentality, when yeah. we think about diet mentality or diet thinking, yeah. um, sometimes those things are not even conscious physical acts or physical attempts at body manipulation. But, you know, when we're sitting around thinking to ourselves, oh my God, I can't believe I'm eating chocolate chips out of the yeah, bag, or I can't yeah. believe I'm, I'm so bad, I can't believe I just ate all of this, or I can't believe I just got this full, or oh my gosh, I just binged, or blah, blah, blah. You know, when we beat ourselves up and feel shame and guilt about what we're eating, essentially when we judge our food, that is in and of itself a form of dieting. Yeah. Because it, is, it is essentially diet mentality because the implication, the implication is I guess I won't do this tomorrow, yeah. right? Or I'll try not to do this tomorrow. Anytime we tell ourselves I shouldn't be doing this, this is wrong, this is bad, I suck, the implication is I shouldn't do this tomorrow, which is essentially like diet starts tomorrow, you know what I mean? And <laughs> it, it kind of puts you in this last supper state, which is where 
90% of binge eating happens. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, yeah. The day, the day before, it's the end of the week, you go crazy because tomorrow, it's Monday and I can start my new diet tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I talk about, most people talk about dieting as just like a forcible attempt at weight control, generally through behavioral modification around food. I cast an even broader net than that. And I would be like, you know, dieting is an emotional state. If you, you could be quote unquote, I have so many clients who come to me and they're like, I don't diet anymore, but I still binge eat and hate myself. And I'm like, okay, then you are still dieting. It's just, it's dieting as a state of mind rather than, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're in diet mentality. You're suffering from a case of diet mentality, even in the absence of like actively physically attempting Atkins or South Beach or whatever it is. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, um, I'm just going to kind of bring it very quickly back to one more topic before you you and I could talk all day about this stuff. It's like, yes, what else can we say? Um, I know you've kind of mentioned already about the, um, we spoke a bit about body image there, but going back to what we said at the beginning about people that are obsessed with food and Mm -hmm. they do binge and they do emotionally eat and they kind of use food for like, you know, emotional reasons or whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. What, what's your what's your kind of number one tip like what would be the first thing for somebody to do who perhaps finds themselves binging every so often or they emotionally eat every so often like what's what's the first thing that you encourage your clients to do well the first is really addressing the dieting and the diet mentality but I want to make a really quick point on this before we go because I think it's important I personally distinguish make a distinction between emotional eating and binge eating okay And the distinction between emotional and binge eating has nothing to do with volume of food. It's not like, oh my gosh, I ate this, I ate too much emotionally, so therefore it's a binge. It has nothing to do with volume. It has nothing to do with how much you ate. The difference between emotional eating and binge eating, Mm. in my estimation, right, this is like an Isabel Fox and Duke original definition. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) I talk about this, by the way, in my video training series. So if you're interested in this conversation, go to stopfightingfood.com and and download the videos about this. But um, so binge eating is always, by definition, by again, according to my definition, a reaction to deprivation in some kind. It is always a reaction to either f- actual physical diets or diet mentality in some respect. Right? Yeah. It is a it is a clear cause and effect reaction to either physical or emotional deprivation. Uh, emotional eating is just very simply you know, uh, uh, turning to food for comfort, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you, using food as a distraction to deal with feelings, mm-hmm. right? Those are two completely, in my opinion, they're very like different things. Now they interrelate, they interrelate in the sense that a lot of people beat themselves up for eating emotionally and therefore it spirals into a binge, yes. right? Like a lot of people will be like, I'm sad, I'm going to have a cupcake. And then they're so mad at themselves for having a cupcake that they end up eating the entire contents of their fridge, yeah. right? So it's not that they don't, interrelate. It's not that they don't interact with each other, these two things, but fundamentally they're two separate concepts. And so when you say like, what's your best tip for dealing with it? It's like, they're completely different things. Like the tips are completely different, right? With binge eating, it really is just a matter of like, are you a dieting or B struggling with diet mentality? If you, you know, period point blank, like that's that. Now, interestingly enough, People who don't diet and people who aren't struggling with diet mentality tend to eat emotionally less often than dieters do because they're less obsessed with food. It's less of their immediate go-to coping mechanism, Mm -hmm. right? Like 
over time, naturally, when people give up diets and diet mentality, they tend to eat emotionally less over time because they tend to naturally develop other coping mechanisms because they have other interests. Yeah. They're thinking about other things. Yeah. They have a life outside of food, right? So overall, giving up dieting and dealing with diet mentality and healing your body image, that in and of itself will lessen probably over time your emotional eating. Yeah. But there are ways, obviously, but like, at, you know, at its core, right, when people talk about like, how do I deal with emotional eating? It's very simple. It's like emotional eating is just an attempt to meet an emotional need. Mm. And so it's really just a matter of like, as straightforward as this sounds, it's really just a matter of like, okay, like what emotional need am I trying to meet with this food? Do I want to meet it with food? If you want to, be my guest. There's nothing inherently wrong with emotional eating. And I think vilifying emotional eating and making it a sin and making it this like awful thing, you know, is really just a function of diet mentality, which yeah, is what creates binge eating yeah. and gets people into trouble. Yeah. So I think that we first of all need to like relax a little bit about emotional eating. It's just a coping mechanism, just like anything else. And to yeah. be honest, it's a relatively benign coping mechanism. It's yeah, not there's heroin. worse things. Exactly. And there's yeah. worse things you could tend to, isn't there? Yeah, way worse things. You know, the, the only reason we think emotional eating is so awful is generally because we're just fat phobic, weight discriminating people who hate our bodies, which yeah. is read that. In my opinion, that's like the real issue, right? Yeah. Um, but obviously, I would agree, you know, emotional eating is uh, as a coping mechanism isn't actually usually as effective in dealing with our feelings as dealing with our feelings head on might be, yeah. right? So, you know, it's not like, I don't think emotional eating is that big of a deal. I don't think, I think that we overly vilify it. And that's why a lot of people's emotional eating turns into binges is because of that vilification. Yeah. But at the end of the day, sure. Are there more effective ways to deal with your feelings? Of course there are. Um, because at the end of the day, like all food does is distract you from a feeling for a temporary period of time. It's not actually addressing the underlying emotional need that's happening. Yeah. So, um, I wrote a blog post a while ago called Why Emotional Eating is Saving My Ass. Oh, I read it that. Was, <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. And it's sort of this idea of, you know, instead of vilifying emotional eating and trying to control it through willpower, which ultimately is just diet mentality and doesn't work and is probably going to lead to binge eating, quite honest, quite honestly. Why didn't we think about emotional eating as like, oh, this is interesting. I'm turning to, I'm, I'm, I'm rummaging in my cabinets right now, you know, because of this, when I'm not hungry, I have no physical desire for food. I wonder why that is, mm. you know, what's going on? Like, what is the emotional need that's happening here? And it's such a positive, I could look at it as like a positive thing in the sense like, it's like a, this like genius little alarm bell yeah, that's reminding definitely. me that I actually have a, a, a need. I actually am dealing with something emotionally that maybe I should be looking at, or maybe I could be looking at, and that might improve my life. Definitely. It might improve my life to look at that thing. Yeah. And emotional eating might be the reminder that I needed to go deal with my feelings. No, I think, a, yeah, yeah, definitely. I yeah. think, I, I think emotional eaters have got a gift actually. And I know that sounds a bit, bit kind of weird to say that, but like yeah. you said, you know, some people have just got no awareness of what's going on. Whereas when you've got your head in the fridge and you're just wanting to eat, that's right. a really clear sign of, hang on a second, something's not quite right. I need to step back and I need to figure out what's going on. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, if I want, if I choose to use food to deal with my feelings, fine, that's, you know, but like at the end of the day, like it is alerting me to, to something that's happening and sort of gives me the opportunity to really look at my emotional life and deal with my feelings in a way that you're right. Not everyone has the awareness to do. So mm. that's sort of a gift. Definitely. I think that I think the more women that can appreciate that, the, the better it's going to be that like you said, you know, they're not going to beat themselves up too much about it. 
mm-hmm. as much as totally. uh, much as stuff. Um, yeah, I've lost my trail of thought now. Sorry, I was like, oh, what, what, what are we talking about now? Um, yeah. I was going to ask you, actually, um, I know you've mentioned there about your um, training video series. So your program's called it Stop Fighting Food, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so- I'm guessing that you really delve into the sociological aspects and body image and binge mentality and all that kind of stuff. So half the program, so Stop Fighting Food runs every year in the fall, but there's a free video training series um, that's open all year round. So any guy, if any of you, you know, are interested in this conversation or think that I, you know, I'm not a total crazy person, <laughs> um, then you should definitely go to stopfightingfood.com and download the free video training series. It's like three five-minute videos that you get that basically sort of explain some like basic core concepts mm-hmm. um, in a little bit more depth than I explained right now. Um, and then, um, stop writing food. There's a, there's a bigger, wider, um, sort of more intensive program that I run annually in the fall. So that's, that's coming guys. That's coming. That's coming. That sounds absolutely awesome. Well, I think, I mean, I could speak to you literally all day. I'm conscious of how much of your time I'm taking because we've already spoken for well over an hour. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Just chatting about stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh, that's awesome. So listen, I think what I'm going to do, Isabel, I'm going to say thank you very much for spending the last hour with us on um, Ditch the Diet Radio because I know, I absolutely know that the listeners are just going to absolutely love the interview because, you know, you just, you can tell from the way that you talk that you're really passionate about this, that you you love to help women, that you've obviously experienced it yourself and you know what people go through, which I think is really helpful as a coach. You know, you can yeah. kind of appreciate it from their point of view and you're not just saying what you've learned to say. Um, yes, 100%. I yeah, I think that's really important. I think, um, yeah, that's certainly from my point of view as well. Um, yep. So your program is Stop Fighting Food, so stopfightingfood.com. Um, yep. And your website is isabelfoxandduke.com, I believe. Yeah, so isabelfoxandduke.com there's, um, uh, is where my blog is. So if anyone just wants to like read you know, like snippet posts or just needs, needs some immediate relief, yes. um, the blog is great. And also you can sign up for coaching. I send weekly coaching emails, which are sort of like – that seems to be the most popular thing that I do. People just like love reading the coaching emails every week. Um, they tend to just be like really short snippets of just like – IFD is Belfox and Duke wisdom once a week. Yeah. But then the video training series, I think is, I mean, I think the video training series is a really, really great place to start. It's like, okay, like here are the core, core ideas. Um, Like get it, you know, get it immediately. You can watch them. They're really fun to watch. They're really beautiful. I have an amazing, you know, team of people who help me make them. Um, So if you want to watch the videos, stopbaitingfood.com is where the videos are at. Awesome. Well, I'll put the details underneath the, um, the broadcast as well so that people can find you if they wish to. So awesome. I'm going to wish you a very, very nice morning. I believe you're in the morning where you are. I'm in the evening right now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. No, you're very welcome. And I look forward to catching up with you at some point in the future as well. Sounds good, Rachel. Talk right, to you soon. Talk to you later. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Ditch the Diet Radio, everyone, with your host, Rachel Foy. That's me. If you've got ever any questions, then you can email me at info at rachelfoy.com. Be sure to check out the website, rachelfoy.com, for your free gifts and other bits and pieces. And if you would like to leave a review or subscribe to the podcast, then please do so. I am trying my absolute best right now to get the most amazing, incredible, and inspirational people on the podcast show. And if there's anyone that you would really like me to interview, then drop me a message and I will see what I can do. 
Have an awesome day and remember that you can have a life where food doesn't control you. I can't wait to show you how. Bye.